Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Took me a little while to get through that. I needed uh, to kind of process things on Sunday, and uh, I apologize for not having something out yesterday. I was uh, uh, filling in for Tony on the Big Spur with a daily questions thread. I got over 300 questions, Uh, and obviously yesterday was a crazy day in college football. Thanks so much to Heritage Digital uh, for sponsoring uh, the news and notes section of the podcast, Uh, as always. Thank you. And they've been our sponsor the whole season and through the bowl game. This will continue. Uh, not much. You know, Carolina lost uh, 30 to nothing to Clemson. Uh, I, I'll tell you this. Uh, there's not much news there. Uh, you know, Carolina obviously keys to the game, run the ball, stop the run. That didn't happen. Uh, they forced some turnovers. Uh, it was just – it was sad. I mean, I, and I'll be honest, and this is nothing against Clemson because um, I, I do – think that they are hitting their stride right now as a team. Their defense is obviously elite. Uh, But you look, you know, SEC, ACC, Georgia 45, Georgia Tech nothing. Florida, everybody thinks Florida quit, right? They beat Florida State, got got bowl eligible, 24-21 in the swamp. Good game. Kentucky pasted Louisville 52-21. These are some common opponents, folks. Uh, that the Gamecocks had, like common opponents playing common opponents with Clemson. Um, that's why the transitive property does not work in college football. Most of the time it's about matchups and execution uh, and coaching, and obviously it's about players. Um, you know, so not much to say. Not much to say uh, about it. Just um, uh, I, I think that what's disappointing uh, and, and look, nobody's happy playing anything close. You want to win the game. But, uh, you know, another game, the third straight at Williams-Brice where you, you just look at it and then Carolina has no offensive plan. 
no counter for what Brent Venables does. Uh, no idea how to t- attack the defense. And then this is, you know, three straight offensive, co- different offensive coordinators. I mean, you know, Kurt Roper in 2017 is running the ball up the middle down 20 nothing in the third quarter. Straight up the middle, over and over. I think that's the point Muschamp said, okay. You know, McClendon in 2019 didn't have a prayer because, you know, he had a true, true freshman quarterback. They had some injuries. I think Brian Edwards was out that game. Um, nice stop at the beginning, but you know, it was it was over. Trevor Lawrence just bombed him. You know, but this Clemson team wasn't like those two, uh, maybe more similar to the 2017 team that they're kind of a running team and play defense and stuff like that. And that's kind of more what the game reminded me of. But I mean, you know, you, you go out there and you know, play with heart was one of my keys. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not questioning the players' effort because I, I know that they tried really hard but man you got to man up and stop the run against those guys you stop the run in that game yeah sure you may not be scoring a whole lot but it's a 10 to 3 10 to 6 kind of game you know i don't know the dj and they were so limited at receiver i you know that's the idea uh, on defense is make them one-dimensional uh and the guys just they, they just didn't make it happen credit clemson's offensive line which has been porous this year at times uh, for dominating a what should be a better defensive line against the run, I, you know, and, and and my first, you know, I, I'll get to that in the analysis segment. So, you know, seventh straight win in the rivalry that hasn't happened in my lifetime. Although we know Clemson's won their share, Carolina's not had a streak like this since the '30s and '40s, and the lack of competitiveness in that game, especially this year when it just it just doesn't really make any sense because Carolina's played better. Clemson's played worse, and you kind of were hoping for that, but it, it just didn't happen. So uh, another loss, Clemson 9-3. and three. Carolina finishes 6-6. Six and six. We'll wait for the bowl game. So that wasn't good. After a really great day of college football, too. I mean, you're sitting there going, ah, it's a great day of college ball. Alabama-Auburn was a classic. Michigan-Ohio State was – a different result, you, you know, and, and those have nothing to do with Clemson and South Carolina, but you're sort of feeling, Hey, this is a day that something different can happen. And it just didn't. Now I don't, I don't want to sound doom and gloom because, you know, I, this is Shane Beamer's first year. Uh, you know, Carolina did not play well. 30 point loss at home is always unacceptable to anybody, any opponent. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, whoever, 30-point loss at home, you know, to anybody, especially your rivals, bad. Um, but I'm going to be straight with you. It, that was disappointing. That, that was very disappointing that Carolina did not play better. Talking to a friend of mine the other day that's kind of familiar with the personnel on both teams, coaches football, said, yeah, I think Carolina's players have a mental block when it comes to Clemson. Well, they got to cycle that out. And uh, this isn't the first time that's happened in the rivalry series. I mean, you, you go back to the Tommy Bowden era. Now, those were good competitive close games, a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. You know, not so the last several years. Uh, and, look, there there is a gap, a talent gap. There is no question. You watch Clemson's defensive players run – Speed. I mean, you know, when you don't have any kind of clue as to how to attack that defense, you sort of play right into their hands. 
and and I don't I don't think anybody. I mean, I, I don't know what plan they had devised, but you know, I, I don't know. You know, a lot of people that know the game really well didn't know what they were doing either. And uh, it was again a week full of let's try forty five new things in practice, from what I'm told. So that's just kind of sad. Um, the bigger concern, and you guys know, I've been concerned about the offensive coordinator situation all year. And we're going to get to that. Lots of questions in the I Hope Consulting mailbag about that. The bigger concern for me was the the lack of competitiveness in the trenches in that game. Now, I think the defensive lines played better this year. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I, I think that some of those guys have, have, have stepped it up. There's been games where South Carolina's pass rush has been outstanding. Um, but against the run, you know, and I also think South Carolina, you know, talking to another coach, very familiar with the Carolina personnel uh, during the game, you know, he, he made the point that, you know, there needs to be some upgrades at linebacker, and I agree with him there. I just, you know, I I don't want to take anything away from the season Damani Staley's had or, or Brad Johnson's had because those two guys have gotten better. They're much better than they were, okay? But South Carolina's got to get dudes there. You know, and not not necessarily, you know, Georgia level dudes. <laughs> uh, they just got to get back to being, hey, okay, we can play here in the middle. Um, you know, and, and and look, go get some linebackers, right? But you know, you you got to get elite, not just good, but elite on the perimeter. I think these days in college football, um, that means corner, defensive end, those kind of things. But Carolina's got to get a little bit faster. A lot faster on defense, in my opinion, um, and then a lot faster on offense uh, to compete with Clemson in a game. Uh, and, and you know, obviously disappointing loss uh, that should have probably been a little closer. Yeah, like I, I'm not saying – I picked Carolina. Uh, got a, some crap from a crazy Clemson fan out there about it on Thanksgiving Day, which was crazy. Uh well, that's cool. You know, it took exception to my prediction. I'm, this is why I don't like doing predictions because it, it, people act like it's, you know, I mean, I, I'm not sitting there. I didn't bet, didn't bet money on that game. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you know, it, it's sort of my job. And I'm like, this maybe it may be a while before I can pick Carolina again. Uh, and that's because the Clemson a few weeks back, you know, was having trouble scoring and stuff. And, Carolina's defense has played pretty good. And I was like, well, they can hold him in check. Maybe Jason Brown makes some plays. He did not. Uh, and then when Zeb Nolan goes in the game, I, you know, good for Zeb, good story. Glad he got some more stats. But, I mean, that was no answer, you know. And it was really no answer. You start looking at it, you know, you're starting to put Jason Brown under center and stuff. I mean, come on. Anyway, that's more analysis, but – there's the news. So Sunday, I'm processing the loss, turning a little game basketball. Ryder comes to town, and you're sitting there halfway through it going, man, this is going to be like the uh, turdling on the top of the poop Sunday because uh, it seemed like another kind of Stetson or Boston U deal where one of these mid-majors from the Northeast comes to Colonial Life Arena kind of on a dead afternoon and, and springs the upset. But credit Frank's team. For winning, they won sixty-five fifty-eight. You just, you just, it's okay to have games where you underperform or whatever in the preseason, and that's going to happen sometimes. You look around the country and see some of these scores, and 
there's really good basketball teams against mid-majors that are kind of average, you know, six, five, six points. Uh, but Keyshawn Bryant came back. I thought he looked good. You know, that little fadeaway jumper he's developed is, is lethal because uh, Keyshawn's the type of guy, you know, he, he drives to the basket. He's previously, he's, he's, he's rocking and rolling to the rim, but drives back and hits it. That's beautiful. Uh, several times he did. Not all the time, several times. Eric Stevenson was like 0 for 21 or whatever. I'm I'm joking, but uh, I think he was 0 for until the end and then ended up in double figures. So, you know, there you go with that. But uh, – and Cousinard was in double figures. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the Stevenson. It seems like nine, I think. But, you know, Carolina didn't play very well, but they won 65-58. They are now 5-1 and one on the season. A big uh, road game. That could end up like a quad two win, I think, quad maybe quad three, but at Coastal, uh, the Chanticleers, you know, they'll be ready for the Gamecocks. And so that's happening. That's happening tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, first day of December. So Gamecocks will go down to Conway and play a road game at Coastal. Uh, another, like I've said before, the Gamecocks have no other out of state games until they hit SEC play. Road games are at Coastal, at Clemson. They have the game in Rock Hill against Florida State. The rest are at the CLA. So, uh, really, an in-state focused schedule this year for Frank Martin, which I've been I've been in favor for for a while. I mean, if you can't get, you know, it's, it's it is nice to play games at, at the Barclays Center, Madison Square Garden in New York, and some neutral site stuff around the country for exposure. But if you can't, you know, if you can't do that, man, there's nothing wrong with playing stuff around the Carolinas. Uh, just to give Carolina basketball some exposure. So the Gamecocks, 65-58. The women won last night against North Carolina a in dominating fashion. And uh, that's about it for the news and notes segment here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. A very somber one since the first time we've talked since the Clemson-Carolina game. And we've got a ton of mailbag. So this analysis part is just going to kind of, you know, roll through. Uh and it is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss of Colwell Banker Kane Realtor, 864-414-5271. Cindy's located right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, married to a diehard Gamecock fan. She's been in the upstate over 35 years and wants to help you with all your real estate needs. 864-414-5271. C. Searfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at C-B-Kane, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. Probably best to – that's her cell, text, call. Uh, tell her JC sent you. We know the real estate market's crazy, and I'm sure the upstate is uh, hopping in that regard right now, seeing as how it's a popular place to live. And she is a proud sponsor of our podcast, and we do thank her. So analysis, you know, like moving forward, Marcus Satterfield, Shane Beamer, and I'll get into all this in the mailbag too. I'm going to say briefly, uh, I do not have confirmation that things are going to change there. Uh, I don't have 100% confirmation. I believe, based on what I've been told and heard from contacts, that change will be made. I would actually be surprised if it didn't happen. I just can't guarantee you that right now. I've been pretty straightforward. Uh you know, it'd be easy to call the Clemson game the final straw for me, but I think I've been kind of off the the bandwagon since Tennessee, uh, maybe before. Really no excuse for the offensive performance this year. 
was I expecting, you know, a pinball machine type offense that lit up the scoreboard? No. Do I expect more than 21 points against Vandy? Not to get shut out against Clemson for the first time since 1989. Uh, do I expect uh, competence, cohesive game plans, personnel use that makes sense game to game? Yes. Yes. Talent use? Yes. Uh, other things? Yes. I'll just leave it at that. And we'll, you know, down the road, we'll get into some more details. Uh, I know that he is on the road recruiting with Shane Beamer and Greg Atkins. I know that worries everybody. That is something that's not as unprecedented as you may think uh, if a change is going to be made. So don't don't try to read the tea leaves there. Now, look, like I said, I can't guarantee anything. Uh, I can just tell you what I've been heard, told. and uh, But I would not read anything into coaches being on the road one way or the other. Multiple coaches – over the years at South Carolina and elsewhere, been on the road recruiting and then uh, gone elsewhere. Uh, and I'll say this, you know, um, uh, I'll give you a story. Shrine Bowl 2007. Um, Tyro Nix is sitting there. That's back when college coaches could go. And by the way, the NCAA not letting college coaches go to that thing is a disgrace. Here, years later, I don't know if they've changed the rule or not, uh, and it cost players in our state opportunities because multiple big-time coaches were there for practices and guys would get offered, and now there's just not even, there's no opportunity, you know, because the coaches – it's an evaluation period, you know, shoot. Um, so the geniuses of the NCAA, you know, are hurting our state and our players in that state – you know, not just for Carolina, Clemson, whoever, but, you know, Georgia Tech come over, Florida State would come and offer a guy if they like. I mean, you know, I saw that for years. But anyway, we're sitting there at Shrine Ball. Tyrone Nix gets the old Miss defensive coordinator job right right over there. And he had kind of been told to look around. There was going to be a change because that defense got really bad at the end of that year, and Spurge made a change. But he handled it in a different way. Um, So, we'll go uh, – Go with that. Um, don't panic. If if you're in pro pro change, which I think 99.9% of you are, don't panic. Um, you know, so don't worry about the coaches being on the road. You know, the transfer portal, I mentioned some needs. I think Carolina needs a linebacker. I think, quite frankly, Carolina needs a quarterback. And if they can get a really good one that can start next year, I think that's best. That's nothing against Luke Doty. Uh, I'd like to really see what he could do healthy. And I, and I think the guy has a bright future. That's nothing against Jason Brown. Jason Brown's the starter next year. I don't, I don't really see, uh, you know, in a new system. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see that he can't be successful. You know, I, I, I thought he did some really nice things and looking back on it, he should have been the quarterback from day one and they should have, they, Marcus Satterfield, I'm not saying they because there's really one person that decided this. But, you know, it should have, from the beginning, once Doty got a crack in his foot, instead of the idea about Nolan. And, and here's, you know, this is not, nothing against Zeb. Because I think Zeb, if Zeb had protection and was, you know, polished and, you know, wasn't kind of thrown back out there, I think Zeb would be pretty good. 
you know, could move a little better. I mean, have an off-season worth of workouts and stuff. Uh, you know, his arm is up and down sometimes, but, you know, I, but South Carolina, you know, from the opener against Eastern Illinois, you kind of thought, oh, there's some, something wrong with the offensive line. Now they were confused. So you got a confusing offensive front. Uh, you got, you know, and, and all this other stuff. So, so, so Doty goes down. And, and so instead of saying, okay, here's my guy, Brown, who's gotten better, who's done everything we ask him over the summer and all that. And look, I'll be honest. I was saying Doty and Nolan and it's Nolan's show and all that because that was the decision the coaches were making and practiced and, and, and what I missed and what I probably would have disagreed with in hindsight. It's hard because I, it's hard to disagree then because you don't really know what it, everything's being evaluated on in practice. And you hear always oh, he's better in practice almost universally in hindsight, that Zeb Nolan decision was made because someone put system and execution of, of system over what made sense. Okay. And and you say, well, JC, you know, it's fair if the offensive coordinator has a system that you have a guy that can run it. Well, I would agree if it was a certain type of system. Now, look, there's no system in the SEC, none that works, that would ever work with a quarterback like Zeb Nolan running a, a pro-style system unless you just have overwhelming talent up front, crazy talent at receiver, and, and a good run game. And, and they didn't. You know, they had a good – they were supposed to have a good run game. You know, and, and you look at that, that was the strength of the team. I, you know, and uh, that's why I don't buy the, the – oh, it's not complicated crap because if it wasn't complicated, why wasn't Jason Brown playing quarterback? Why did you have a a graduate assistant out there that can't move? And why couldn't you run the ball better? You know, you use your noggin. And so looking back, that's what should have happened. You know, it shouldn't have been, well, I've got this great system, and so Zeb can run it better, so we're going to go with him. I and mean, Zeb's a sitting duck, man. And that's nothing against Zeb. Very, very good story. Uh, he's been an asset to the program. Uh, but I, I would say this, you, you could not, you know, Kurt Roper couldn't do it with Jake Bentley, Rico Dowdle, Tyson Williams, AJ Turner, uh, Dennis Daly, Zach Bailey, uh, Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards, Shy Smith, Hayden Hurst. And what, what Roper was trying to do was, was really a little bit more similar to some other stuff that's done in college these days. But it was kind of based on those NFL RPOs, and he had a second-year quarterback that had started six games, and everything stalled because he couldn't call it. And what he did was ten times smarter than what happened this year. Okay? So Brown finally gets in the game. You beat the crap out of Florida. Go on the road, very winnable game at Missouri. Brown actually keeps you in it, and you start doing this under center stuff. That's not his game. A blind person could see that. You can't say, you know, and, and, and it's a square peg in a round hole. I said that on Jamie and Goldwater, shoot, in May, key for Marcus Satterfield. No, put square peg in a round hole, just play your best players. And I was talking then about like, hey, you know, you got Nick Muse at tight end, Travion Kenyon's coming on, maybe Jaheim Bell's not a tight end, and he's not. Okay, let me just be clear about that. Jaheim Bell's not a tight end. 
He may be listed as a tight end, and he, but he shouldn't. There's no, there's no reason to put him in that room. He's a receiver. And he's a guy you, you, you get the ball to a different way, gadget guy, right? And honestly, there have been coaches on staff this year that kind of mentioned that. Never happened. So um, that's, that's personnel screw-up number one is that, you know, nothing against Zeb Nolan. And, I, and I'm positive Zeb could execute the offense better in practice. But you have to understand if you're struggling up front, man, that's just not going to, you know, and you can't, you don't know how to manufacture run game and your line is, your veteran line is completely confused and you're clueless as to how to fix it. So um, those are all my complaints about how this year rolled forward. But like I said, we'll get back into that. But, you know, in the portal, you know, receiver is a big deal. I mean, you know, Carolina really could use uh, some veteran good receivers that, you know, are looking for an opportunity. Uh, I did hear Josh Vance probably coming back, so that'll be good. I thought he had a really good year. Obviously, he was not 100% Saturday night. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Jaheim Bell comes back and he does make that move to receiver, but I don't know who's going to be making that decision. You know, and, and and we'll see what happens. Uh, they'll, they'll probably get a couple of tight ends in the portal. Austin Stogner from Oklahoma is a guy that – former four-star kid out of Texas that uh, could be transferring in. That's kind of a in the rumor phase right now. Um, and I think they need linebackers, uh, both freshmen and, you know, guys that uh, – from the portal that have speed. There was one from Tennessee, Joseph, that visited for Clemson. He's got an offer. I, I just don't know about him. I haven't seen him play a whole lot. Hopefully he's fast. <laughs> but, you know, that has to happen, uh, I think, for the defense to get better with run fits and things like that. And quite frankly, the defensive tackles, Zach Biggins included, did not fit the run like they should in a lot of games this year. So – you know, I, I think they're fine at DT. I just think that, you know, there's some improvement to be made on that side of the ball as well. Uh, I think the offense has just been such a uh, a baffling catastrophe this year from an everything standpoint that, you know, people say, well, the defense is all right. Let's just give them a pass. Uh, but there's issues on that side too that I think need to be solved through personnel, recruiting, development, that kind of thing. And I think those guys on that side of the ball are pretty good at that. Uh, just given their track record before they even came to Carolina. So there's brighter days ahead up over there, you know, as long as you keep recruiting. And then offense, obviously, there's a big decision that needs to be made. Major moves in college football. I know this freaks everybody out because I don't know. Some folks out there think that there's like a finite pool of, of coordinators and all this stuff and, and, and just – let me break down the reality. First and foremost, South Carolina's offensive coordinator job, if it comes open, when it comes open, whatever you want to say, is an SEC coordinator job, right? I don't know if you've seen the money getting thrown around out there. South Carolina has the same money, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, when Brian Kelly gets $100 million to go coach LSU, plus a huge staff thing, you know, people are making money. Right, they're making money. These programs are making money. The money's actually, and I'll have a 
commentary on this at some point. I I'm a little uncomfortable about just to be honest about some of the the money that's been out there. Uh, I understand Southern Cal to a certain extent because I think they have what 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 you call caged animal syndrome. Uh, that's where a blue blood program goes. You know what? We're we're getting a ringer. We're getting one of the best coaches in college football that's proven to come in here uh, and take our job because we're Southern Cal and we're sick of waffling around with experiments. Same same scenario with Bama hired Saban. Okay. Uh, same scenario to a certain extent when A&M hired Jimbo Fisher. I I don't think so with Brian Kelly in, in, in LSU. I, I think Brian Kelly is sort of a similar hire to Les – I don't want to say Les Miles because Les Miles didn't have the track record at Okie State. Like, like Kelly does it in another name. It's probably similar to Saban, although Saban, when he took LSU, was kind of a, a guy that had one good year at Michigan State that used to coach Toledo and in the NFL – um, Kelly is a big proven guy. So I'm trying to think of any LSU hires, maybe back Curly Holland, Mike Archer, Jerry DiNardo was from Vanderbilt. So uh, nobody with that kind of track record is taking over at LSU. But I, I, I do think it's interesting that, like, with the exception of Ed Orgeron, who obviously is not from Big Ten country, uh, yeah, Les Miles, who's Michigan guy. Jerry DiNardo was a uh, Notre Dame and I think Wisconsin guy. Maybe Notre Dame, maybe not. I think Wisconsin at least uh, before he went to Vandy and then to LSU and he went back to Indiana. And then you got Kelly, who's really worked his way up. Grand Valley State, Central Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and now LSU. So they sort of they sort of hired from the Midwest, Midwestern guys a little bit. That's okay. Midwestern guys can coach. Ohio, Michigan play cradles of coaches, you know. Uh, so football coaches. So so there you go with that. I, you know, but the panic over Carolina's OC job. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it. You know, and this is this is not going to sound uh, complimentary of Shane Beamer. Um, although I've told everybody, you know, like. I know why on paper or the plan or whatever, and he was comfortable with it and recommendations or whatever. I know why he made it. And lots of coaches would have probably, you know, taken a flyer and done the same thing had they been told what he was told or whatever. I mean, plenty. Look, mistake. Every I'm not even calling it a rookie mistake. Everybody makes it in, in, in coaching. The best coaches go, wow, gosh, I wish I, you know, we're not doing something right here. And that's the head coach's job is to fix it, right? Um but then there's some kind of uh, false information. There's two two pieces of false information on this subject. First and foremost, uh, Marcus Satterfield was not the only person willing to take the Carolina OC job. And so I think there's this false sense of, oh, i got to hurry up because all the guys are going to be hired, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so two points on this. Number one, that's not true. There's plenty of good OCs out there that would jump at the opportunity uh, to coach uh, at South Carolina, uh, in the SEC with a guy like Shane Beamer uh, in that environment to make the most importantly to make the money that they could make. Okay. Uh, the money's there, right. Uh, and assistant coaches, as we found out yesterday, when Mike Bobo got fired, they have to go with the money because just like Mike Bobo three-year deal guaranteed. Okay. I'll come. Oh, I'm fired. He still gets 3.9 million. 
2.6 to walk away, 1.3 for this year. You know, everybody says, well, he didn't go for a big raise. Well, that wasn't true because his, his deal at Carolina was for two. The deal at Auburn's for three, which is a little unprecedented. So you see what happened. Uh, so assistant coaches are much more like ringers. Uh, they, they're not sitting there. Head coaches have to sit there and go, can I win? Can I do this? Uh, assistant coaches are like, let's go call ball plays, you know. Um, but they need they need to be good, and they need to be guys that X's and O's wise can do more with less. So that, that so that's the first point is, you know, Shane Beamer hired Marcus Satterfield because Shane Beamer thought he was the best for the job after Bobo left. That's it. It wasn't like he was like, well, we can hire Marcus Satterfield or a uh, donkey, the donkey from that Disney movie Gus that kicks the football. We'll hire Marcus. You know, didn't go like that, man. It didn't go like that. Plenty of options. And this time around, there'll be plenty of options. So, <coughs> an old panic, number one, on the sense of urgency. Number two, I just mentioned, assistant coaches are ringers. So, you can go out there all you want and hire this guy from wherever or wherever, uh, and Brian Kelly's OC doesn't come with him from – from Notre Dame and doesn't decide till after the bowl or New Year's and or he doesn't or, or, or he leaves to go to the pros or something and this guy's sitting there and everybody's happy oh, it's just a great hire oh my god and, and they call him at LSU and they're like okay well uh we're gonna you know pay you a little more well Carolina could probably match that but you get to come coach at LSU chances are that guy's gonna go uh, it's just like the Kirby smart thing and some of these people out there that were – and I understand you're mad at Ray Tanner and um, bless Ray Tanner's heart, honestly. I, uh, I hope some team starts winning on the men's side sometime, you know, because I understand that the frustration comes back on him, and I get it. I, I, I totally get it. But some of these people out there and uh, Mary Beth Smart, Kirby Smart's wife – you know, talked about this in an interview the other day. Uh, they blame Tanner, like, drug your feet and couldn't get Kirby. Let me tell you something. Even if the ink was dry on the contract, Kirby is finding, getting, his, getting Jimmy Sexton and getting out of it and going to Georgia. Regardless of when that would happen, it's just uncontrollable. Number one, it's his alma mater. Number two, Georgia's one of the best jobs in the country, as we see. Um, you know, I mean, it's, so I'm saying, you know, there does need to be a sense of urgency because of recruiting and the portal and all that and what you want and what the future is. But it doesn't have to come the day after the Clemson game necessarily because there, there are some variables there that are uncontrollable. And folks out there thinking that, you know, somebody gets the OC job at LSU versus somebody gets the OC job at South Carolina. Again, these guys are ringers. They're going to go to biggest program, best money. And, and that's that. And that's the way every coordinator hires. Ben. Unless you're like, you know, Ellis Johnson, Justin Stepp, Des Kitchings was there for a cup of coffee, coming back home. And Kitchings didn't have a job. So, you know, and, and Ellis and, and Justin obviously came from Arkansas over the years, and there's others. But, you know, it, 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 until South Carolina starts winning big and, you know, some coordinator can walk in and inherit a boatload of talent, 
you know, that's going to happen. Somebody's complaining the other day about, oh, Beamer struck out on Derek Mason. Look, Derek Mason's defense played outstanding against Alabama the other night. Don't get me wrong. But it had been great all year. Derek Mason really hadn't had a great defense at Stanford. Never really had one at Vandy. Clayton White's done just as good. Clayton's a Royals Award semifinalist, you know. I don't know why everybody's upset. Hey, RG3 mentioned Clayton White for the Notre Dame job the other day. Uh, head job, head coaching job. So Clayton White, you, you know, Clayton White goes and gets another job somewhere, a head coaching job. You guys are going to be sad. Um, And Derek Mason, who knows if he's lasting at Auburn or not. So, I, I you know, uh that's just kind of how it is, you know. I mean, there's certain – there's tiers and jobs and stuff like that when it comes to assistant coaches. Um, and, and you remember, too, I mean, I, I think the guy that put together the best first-year staff uh, resume-wise was Lou Holtz in, in 1999. And if you remember correctly, for offensive coordinator, he hired his son. Great pick. Defensive coordinator, he hired Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong had not been a coordinator before, though. And then he had some friends like Dave Roberts and John Gugkunst uh, and Chris Kosh, who had been coordinators before, who had kind of helped Charlie Strong along. Uh, and then on offense, Skip brought his staff, Todd Fitch, Dave DeGugliamo, those guys from UConn. And then Buddy Pugh, coach of the running backs. But uh, that was the best first-year staff that, the head coach coming in is, is put together. And, you know, look at it. Even then, it's a first-year coordinator. Uh, it's your son. You know, you're coming off one in ten. It's it's not. The second best one, I think, was, uh, frankly, was um, had nothing against Steve Spurrier, but you remember that first staff with Spurrier kind of did some good things, and then they all kind of cycled out. Uh, was Muschamp, and you look at it on paper, everybody's excited uh, about Brian McClendon coming and Lance Thompson coming. They didn't recruit all that well. And uh, Come to find out, the two best coaches on the staff, if you look at the totality of the Muschamp era, were two guys, Bobby Bentley and Mike Peterson. Of course, Mike P is still there, uh, who were analysts off the field before taking the job. And that's recruiting and lots of other things. So, you know, I, I, I say all that to say, look, this needs to happen. There needs to be a new plan. Um, I think don't be – don't have delusions that, you know, Carolina is going to go pay Kendall Browse $2 million to leave Arkansas or – Jeff Lebby is going to leave Ole Miss to come, and, or anything like that. Don't 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 have that, you know. But who could they get? Could they get a Graham Harrell, who's kind of an air raid guy? Could they get the guy from Western Kentucky? I think Whitley, who played uh, and White coached with Whitty. Shoot, I need to look up his name. Stupid. But uh, uh, could they get Garrett Riley? Could they could they get Phil Longo from North? I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows? But but then even beyond those guys, there's other guys out there. I mean, I, I do think it's important though this time because we've had 
we've had sort of a a period here with OCs, right? So so Roper gets the job when Muschamp came, and uh, I was surprised in a way because I, honest to God, thought Bobby Bentley was getting that job because Muschamp talked about running Malzahn stuff, and Kurt Roper's not that guy. But, you know, he'd been in the NFL and, and kind of like Marcus Satterfield. And I know and I'll, I'll give Kurt Roper credit. He's much better than Marcus Satterfield, much better. Um, some of the same types of issues, but nothing compared to what happened this year. Uh, you know, Roper did okay first year, did okay his one, one year at Florida. Again, for those of you that continue to believe he was at Florida all four years with Muschamp, he wasn't. But, you know, I thought, yeah, I probably should have gone with Bobby, run some, some you know, this, this is a little bit of a restrictive offense he's trying to run here. And I was right. And, and so then it comes up again and probably should have given it to Bobby Bentley again. And, and I say that, and you guys know I know Bobby. And uh, from my kid childhood, you know, high school or whatever, uh, and all that. Uh, but I look at what he, he did as the passing game coordinator and the play caller at South Florida this year with a bad football team, and they got better and better and better, and the offense made sense. And quite frankly, had that happened at South Carolina this year, uh, as you know, because and, and, some smart ass is going to sit out there and look up the stats and go, baby, was like 103. No, 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 no. They were not very good, okay? You talk about lack of talent, they, they're not good, okay? And he manufactured stuff. Okay, and that's what you look for. If that had happened to South Carolina this year, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Um, but you know, you bought into the McClendon thing. Uh, here goes, you know, here they go. They start off pretty well, and that McClendon offense. When you had Dan Werner, here's another guy that maybe should have been calling it instead of McClendon. Another guy with a uh, a big track record calling ball plays. You know, and and McClendon caught it, and then you know, as the years the next year comes around, uh, Bentley Jake Bentley gets hurt, but McClendon's kind of not listening to other people, and you know what I was told was he's like, well, this is my show. If I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go down doing it. I'm not gonna bring anybody else down with me. His recruiting at receiver was god awful at South Carolina. You know, he goes to Oregon. So they bring in Mike Bobo, and then it's it's way too late because of a lot of situations there, right? <sighs> Including missing on Brian Helensky. And they did. FYI. That was a miss. Surprising miss. Shocking miss, even. That was a miss. Uh and and, and so that happened. So 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 besides Mike Bobo. We've sort of been through this, like, okay, so Roper, one year at Florida as the guy, before that guy that works for the guy. McClendon was kind of an on-the-job training guy. Like the idea was, I think he'd be like Charlie Strong was as a DC, because Charlie Strong had Chris Kosh, who had been a coordinator. John Gukunst had been a head coach uh, on, on his – on his staff, and I think Dave Roberts, who had been a head coach on his staff, and and, and Charlie benefited from that because he listened to people. Next thing you know, he's coaching for Urban Meyer in the national championship game and a head coach himself. Heck of a guy, heck of a heck of a coach. Um, despite what happened at Texas and South Florida, um, so I think that that was the idea with an inexperienced guy. Is, you know, you kind of give him some help. You know, 
And uh, it, it just – they deviated from the plan. The plan got deviated. And, and look, McClendon, out of all these cats, had the best year in 2018. <laughs> they put up – there were some games they put up some points, man. Yeah, it's much better than what we saw this year, although it wasn't consistent because adjustments were an issue. But uh, so, so we've been through that. Roper, guy that works for the guy, McClendon on the job training. One year of Bobo, controversial. And, and then we go right back to Marcus Satterfield, who two years of mediocrity to poor offensive statistically at Temple, although they were winning. And he spends a year in the NFL. And look, man. If they if they never hire anybody that spent a year in the NFL again to coach offense at South Carolina, I will be fine. Because of one thing I've learned, folks, it doesn't work. If you go to the NFL and you decide you're going to come back with all this NFL stuff, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in college. There's a reason high school coaches can go to college and light it up. There's also a reason a lot of the – most brilliant offensive minds in college football have gone to the NFL and failed miserably, uh, including one Stephen Orr Spurrier and Bobby Petrina, two of the best play callers I've ever seen. Now, for some guys, it's working out for Cliff Kingsbury right now, you know, but I think that's part of the, that's part of the, the mistake that was made. You see things like that. Cliff Kingsbury, you know, Patrick Mahomes run an air raid in Kansas city. and Oh, you know, Joe Brady and all this, you know, Joe Brady came from the NFL and, you know, I know he's struggling with the Panthers. I still think he's a good play caller and a good offensive coach. Uh, but that's, it's a very humbling league. <laughs> and uh, that's number one. And number two, you know, LSU, everybody credited Joe Brady. And that was a big difference because they didn't run anything you know, they didn't run it that wide open before he got there. But you had a veteran SEC coordinator, Steve Insminger, 20 years experience plus in the league, sitting there charting plays, calling. I mean, and they ran it together, and I think that was a good sounding board to say, okay, you can't be this complicated right now. Let's just roll. And then they have an overwhelming talent. So no more NFL. Oh, what did the NFL, and I've come back with tidings of joy. I'd rather somebody go to high school and come back. I've, I've coached high school, 5A high school ball in Texas. And I'm not saying hire Chad Morris. Please don't do that because I think people have called up his stuff. Um, I'd rather have that, you know, just to be honest. Uh, the idea, though, is have somebody at some level of college football that's had a college offense. It's got to be fun for the kids. It's got to be versatile. It's got to be easy to learn. That's the thing. Um, and, and look, man. You look at, or ladies and gentlemen, man, uh, look at the offensive stats in the SEC this year and who's on top. Folks from the Browse tree. Who was Art Browse? High school coach. High school coach in Texas. So was Gus Malzahn in Arkansas. So was Bobby Bentley, you know, high school coaches. And, and, and it was explained to me like this. High school coaches have to find a damn way to make it work, right? You got guys in some high schools recruit, and I know that, private or public, you know, but you usually you're limited to the folks that live in your school district, right? That's the way it is. People move in, they move out, you know, the demographics change, whatever, and you got to find a way to make it work. 
you know? So, and you got to find a way to teach it to high school kids. So that's where the creativity comes from. And, and look, I think there's a, another type of creativity in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. Andy Reid's obviously a creative coach, but it has to be more nuanced and complex. Uh, and you're dealing with pros and everybody else has pros and you're dealing with many you know, 12 hours a day where you can install and take out and, and, and engineer it that way. And you gotta be able to call it, but, uh, that's the way it is in the pros, man. And and and, and you can have a college style offense like Spurrier did that's easy to learn and creative and fun and explosive and all that. And the NFL eats your lunch because you don't have that complexity and all that. Because everybody's good. So there's the difference. And that's why high school coaches sometimes make great play callers uh in college. And NFL-wise, it's not always that way. I mean, look at Steve Sarkeesian, right? One of the better play callers last year when he coached Alabama. And I haven't watched a lot of Texas this year. I sort of think they're in trouble. I would be shocked if Sark's play calling was the problem. But, you know, with the Falcons, he didn't do much. And people people thought about he's overrated because of what happened with the Falcons. Now that doesn't matter. Because Steve Spurrier came back to college and could still dial him up. Bobby Petrino certainly could, as we all found out when he was in Arkansas. Um, it's just different. And, you know, so so Sark was competent in the NFL, but he gets back to college and they scaled it back and away we go. Same with Bill O'Brien out there this year. People can say what they want about him uh, as far as – yeah, Alabama fans being happy, their offense being good or whatnot. They they lost so many players last year, guys. You know, and I agree they're struggling. I don't think it has much to do with the play calling or because I mean, they're basically doing the same thing with RPOs and all that good stuff. But they they scale it back. They don't they don't do stuff like they do in the NFL. So no more NFL guys, right? Um, if it's a guy that has twenty years, great. And I don't think a guy. All right, let, let's say. Kingsbury got uh, – um, I don't think Kingsbury's getting fired from the Cardinals. They may go to the next Super Bowl. Somebody like that, you know, a Spurs, somebody like who's proven in college gets fired and has to come back and call plays, fine. But no more – and these wonderkins that everybody – Kentucky and LSU and Carolina and Vanderbilt hired from NFL staffs and they weren't really coaching anything. They just worked for the guy. They're all failures, in my opinion. Now, Liam Cohen may continue on at Kentucky. Uh, the guy at Vandy got demoted right away. I don't think there's any way possible the three Panthers guys stay at LSU and South Carolina. So, uh, and then you see the top, who, who's got the best offenses in the league. Kendall Bryles does. Uh, Jeff Levy does. Bryles, Bryles. Lane Kiffin. Mike Leach had a pretty good offense. I don't know statistically where it was at. Um Obviously, Alabama does, but you know, it's funny those NFL guys are at the bottom. Okay. So, no more of that. No more of that. So, so we've gone through this period where there's been some experiments. There's been th- probably you could say Roper was another experiment. Uh, Roper, McClendon, Satterfield, with the exception of Bobo, three experiments. Offense has been donkey for the most part. I will give McClendon credit for some of the 2018 explosive games, which were some of the best. 
but really, with the exception of Mike Bobo, who coached during the, one of the toughest years to coach and play football in 2020, and not to mention what happened in Carolina, this hadn't been a guy. Yeah, hadn't been a guy. So, so I don't know that Beamer can do any more experiments. I think that there has to be, or this program, you know, I think I think he needs to go get a guy you can look at and say, all right, he's had top five, top ten offenses, best in his league, wherever that is. Here's what they do. Here's their system. It works. We'll see if it works in the SEC, and away we go. You know. So somebody like some of the guys I've had. So anyway, I've, I've blabbed on and on. That's the analysis portion of the game. So it's time for the mailbag. The iHelp Consulting Mailbag is always brought to you by, you guessed it, iHelp Consulting. Daniel Owens, iHelp Consulting. Huge Gamecock fan. iHelpConsulting.com. Great guy. Uh, he can save your business time, money. Uh, Gamecock owned and operated, like I said. Uh, their mission is to help you save money on expenses. That's the bottom line. Uh, so whether you may be paying too much for credit card processing, internet, insurance, anything else, iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And if iHelp cannot save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If they can't help you, it's no cost to you. And the fee is, is outstandingly fair because uh, you only pay them a percentage of your first year savings. Okay. So that means like he saved a business 50 grand. It's just a percentage of that. And then you save the 50 grand from their own. 843-372-5713. Call or text Daniel, set up a free appointment. Tell him JC sent you. I help consulting. How can I help you? 843-372-5713. I help consulting.com. Proud sponsors all year long of the I help consulting mailbag. All right, two ways to get in the iHelp Consulting mailbag. First is Twitter, at the Big Spur Pot. And uh, first one comes in from T-Rat. T-Rat, certainly appreciate that. JC, Thanksgiving is over. You can speak freely now. <laughs> 12 weeks into the season, our offensive play calling is as sad and unimaginative as ever. At this point, I'd take pretty much any other offensive scheme in the country over this sad attempt at the college offense. But on a positive note, Beamer deserves credit. These players, wow, they managed to win six games despite Sat's best efforts to handcuff his own team. And I, and I think you made a good point there, T-Rat. I, I think that's what it is. And, and I, it's never intentional. Coaches want to win and do well, right? But there are times when mm, – mm, you know, if, if the, the most dangerous thing in any organization is a combination of ignorance and arrogance, business, life, church, whatever, run the other dang way. Okay. Run the other way. And uh, so, so there you go. I mean, <laughs> that's, you know, that's just kind of how it is. So, uh, and I get it. And, and certainly it wasn't intentional because everybody wants to be the best at their job and, and nobody's out there trying to lose. Certainly. Uh, he goes, but seriously, this team has overachieved and put themselves ahead of schedule. I, I think the program is going to be ahead of schedule. I think, you know, there are a lot of positive things, you know, Shane Beamer being mentioned for the Oklahoma job, I think was, and it was legit too. It wasn't, 
You remember that sort of when Muschev got the extension, people were kind of worried about LSU down the road or whatever. And I never saw anything to indicate. Now, look, I, I do think Will probably at the time after winning nine games had a shot if they were going to get rid of Miles. Uh, but yeah, uh, this was legit. I mean, this is this was like you know he's well thought of out there by one of the best uh, ads in the country, and Joe. Uh, Castiglione. So Kentucky Sports Radio reports that he expects Mark Stoops to remain. That's not good. <laughs> it's not good for the Gamecocks. Eventually, you got to beat that guy, though. Other, other, other coaches have, other programs have. So, um, yeah, you're right, T Rat. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, normally I don't really care about the bowl game. I'm like, eh, yeah, whatever, because bowl games are such a mixed, mixed bag and you, you, they're not what they used to be. You have kids opting out. Uh, you don't know. You, you play a team from Conference USA and they're going to be sky high to play you and your kids aren't. And it's just, it's a mixed bag. But I do think that the, the bowl game would be a very, very nice topping on the season so that's uh that's that there so yeah game got fan three says that was another puzzling offensive night trying not to talk about sat we all know i do think many areas have taken steps forward this year receivers and defense as a whole seem better hard to evaluate the backs yeah they, they, you know they didn't have any room play calling all no not so much significantly worse makes no sense uh thomas again at the big spur pod follow us on twitter follow us on instagram inside the gamecocks uh he says give me some positives from the game recruiting defense anything also if there was a move at oc when would that be i think it'll happen i don't know the timeline something i'm a little fuzzy on i just felt sick watching us waste a down running up the middle for one yard loss so many times I don't, I don't get it, and I, and I haven't charted what they were trying to do, but Clemson pretty much shut everything down, and you have to expect that. Clemson's looking at them and going, hey, well, you know, they're, they're sort of limited. Clemson, hey, we're going to sell out, stop the run, and then you get a passing downs, you're screwed. <laughs> Fast defense, folks. Yeah, there, there was there – was, you know – I, I, you got to even question sometimes, did, did they watch the opponent's film? Don't know. Don't know. Positives from the game, the atmosphere, the crowd, and there were recruits there for 2022 and 2023. Uh, I know that people are upset about the loss, and this is going to hurt recruiting. Nah, it's uh, recruiters, our uh, recruits sort of love. And, and look, you talk about going against Clemson head to head on a recruit that's going to be tough because of the program they have. Okay. Right now, um, still Carolina can win some in-state battles and stuff like that. Uh, you just got to win your share. Don't get completely shut out, but uh, the atmosphere may, means a lot to the players, you know, and, and that was a great showing by Gamecock fans. Um you know, in, in, in the, unfortunately, you know, it ended up like every other one. So sad. Ken, I know Beamer keeps staff and team problems close to the chest to make sure there isn't dissensions through the ranks. I don't know. I don't know. 
know, I'm, I'm not saying that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's not. <laughs> I, I've heard this from some people too. You, this staff seems to be a little different with information, and 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 nine times out of ten, it's not. It's because people in this day and age, as opposed to ten years, they expect information right away. Like you just call up somebody and he's sitting there by with a red phone. Oh yeah, here's what's going on. And it's not that simple in real life. Uh, but as far as contacts and sources and impact, I haven't, I, I actually, I actually think that there's, you know, we, we've reported more good stuff, you know, what, doing our jobs with recruiting and whatnot under this staff than the last one. And we had a good, we had a good relationship with all of them. But uh, he needs to make his change in the offensive staff room. That has to be clear to him. And any inside whispers about this? Yes. And uh, like I said, I don't have a timeline, Ken. Uh, but I do believe a change will come. I have to. Because I have to. Dale. And this is inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. The other way to get into the I help consulting mailbag. I usually do Twitter first. And I'll, if I answer your tweet, I will retweet it. And I'm going to have to go a little fast here because we've got a JC and Morgan coming up and I'm already at an hour. But you had to know I had a lot to say, folks, and I'm making up for yesterday. JC, first of all, I was at the game and when it got started, a sold out Willie B was awesome. Unfortunately, we didn't do anything on offense. All night, it looked as if we were confused. Or trying to go for a home run, not sure why we didn't try some short passes, crossing routes, nah, none of that, right? All I can say is I hope Beamer got on the headset and told Satterfield to pack his stuff and be gone before the team hits the locker room. Obviously, that didn't happen. Satterfield's on the road recruiting. I'm so ready for him to be gone. So I guess now we have a bowl to look forward to. Yeah, you do. Um, don't know where. I've seen every. I've seen a lot of different things. The guy from Sporting News projected Clemson and Carolina rematch in the Gator Bowl. I'm sure, that would sell a lot of tickets, but I don't. I don't think. Maybe, maybe they do want to play it to make up for last year. I don't know. Brent Venables goes to Oklahoma. It's not calling their defense, and South Carolina has a new offensive coordinator, and and or, or has someone else calling plays, and doesn't have a lot of opt outs. Yeah, yeah, tee it up. <laughs> but other than that, no interest, right? Uh, but anyway, I, I, I still I think Gator music, Gator's possible, Music City. I, I did hear Auburn and North Carolina are probably the the preference for the uh, what used to be called the Bell Bowl, the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl in Charlotte. So I don't see the game house going to Charlotte. Uh, but, hey, Gator or Music City would still be great. Carolina has not played in the Gator Bowl since 87. They've never played as a member of the SEC, and they've never been in the Music City Bowl. Even years they beat Kentucky soundly, they took Kentucky. First down, Kentucky. You guys ever been to a game at Commonwealth or Kroger Field? First down, Kentucky. Poo. So, that guy, that guy's annoying. So, anyway. Um. So anyway, so that that's it. Bowl games. Thanks for thanks for all you do. Let's go Gamecocks. Thank you, Dale, for that one. Mailbag Isaiah. Hey JC, hope you're doing well. Gonna keep this mailbag statement short and sweet. It's time for a change at OC. Yeah, man, I've been ready for that for a few weeks, and I thank you now. Uh, and look, I, I believe in being fair. And after beating Florida, 
and putting up all those points and yards, you know, I was like, well, look, let's see maybe if he's figured it out, you know. And obviously the very next week the answer was no. And even in the Auburn game, man, you know, look, dialed up some good ones, obviously. Carolina played well that game. Zaquandre White was awesome, but, you know, I think for me, because they beat Auburn, they needed to have a good game against Clemson, you know, offensively for me to say, ah, maybe not. But, yeah, I'm completely out. I'm out. And, and look, man, you know, if something crazy happens, because like I said, I can't guarantee you anything, right? Um, I believe there's going to be a change, but I can't, I can't guarantee it because if I could guarantee it, I would report it. Right. Um, boy, we're going to have a lot to talk about this all season. <laughs> Evan says I'm done with Satterfield. I swear I could have called a better game. They were giving us the quick game and we ran the ball with eight. The box are taking deep shots. Yeah. That's a pro style kind of mentality, man. And, and even, even Satterfield said in the off season, he was like, we don't do a lot of quick game. And I'm like, well, sometimes you need that in college, bro. <laughs> you know, uh, even Spurrier, like well, that's what he would do. You know, they, they try to play it like that. And Spurrier, like, let's just shoot. Let's just throw that little bubble out there to run a toss sweep or shoot. You know, I mean, it, come on, man. I do the, the James, the James Bates interpretation of Steve Spurrier these days. Not saying we should have beat Clemson, but that was pathetic. Sad. Please go back to the NFL. Wish you all the best, but he's not the right guy for our program. We need an experienced guy who doesn't overcomplicate things. A college guy, right? Being around all those arrogant Tiger fans is going to be tough. That is disappointing, too. I got a text from quite a few of, of Clemson people that I know. Still a diehard Gamecock and will defend my team, but we have to see a change. It's disrespectful to Gamecock Nation to watch that offense on the field. Absolutely. And Evan, by the way, lives in Walhalla in Oconee County, right near Clemson. So he's probably extra butthurt today. And I don't say butthurt, Evan, in a – I usually use that as a kind of a negative thing. Don't be butthurt. But, uh, you know, that was, a, that was a compliment or positive. Tristan says, and just like that, the regular season is over in the blink of an eye. It did go fast, man. Once it started, it got rolling and went fast. Uh, any secrets you can hit on right now that'll make us feel any better. Only that I expect change at offensive coordinator. I expect it. Darian, for the love of all, it's holy. Tell me Marcus Satterfield will be gone. Had some buddy with some years inside the program. Tell me it's not a hundred percent. After a long conversation with Beamer today, I honestly believe if Beamer keeps sat, it'll cost Beamer his job. I don't like to get into like overstating things on a first year head coach, but I'm not disagreeing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. Uh, and look, fair or unfair, like I said, there's been too many experiments at offensive coordinator around here. And, 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 and I don't see any way in hell it works. There, there's just too many issues from personnel usage to complexity to and personnel usage. Man, I, I, I figured, you know, I didn't figure this out. I was told this the other day about, you know, Satterfield, picks the players and the groupings and, and, and has all these things he says he's going to do with people like, you know, different players who are playmakers. It never happens in game. I mean, it's just, it's a disaster. It's, it's not just, he can't call plays or it's not just the system's bad. It's a disaster across the board. And, and I, I went on the, uh, and, and look in hindsight, 
you know, and I'll agree with you. I, I didn't, I, I never, I, I don't want to sound hypocritical because I, I was not a guy that sat there and said, oh, they should start Jason Brown because, hey, who, who's done better in practice? This guy. Okay. Well, he's done better in practice. And it wasn't who's better. It was who's who can run these complicated ass plays in practice. So, no, yeah. I, you know, I, I think Shane Beamer has done so much good. So much good. So much good. And there are so many things about the program that have improved in one short year, from the culture to the players to individual players getting better to uh, an improvement on defense when really – then personnel-wise, all the losses last year, there's every reason for the defense to take a step back, a big step back off of a bad defense last year. All that stuff, you know, uh, I, I think the offensive coaching staff in general outside of the coordinator is fine. You know, I think the defensive coaching staff is good. The recruiting staff is good. There's a lot of enthusiasm. I, I think Carolina struggled with relevance uh, for about four or five years now, but having things like his name being in the mix for Oklahoma and, you know, uh, the, the, the publicity they got with the Florida win and the Auburn win and all that. People are talking about SEC coach of the year. That's good. That, that stuff helps uh, because it wasn't that South Carolina was getting negative publicity. They were getting no publicity. Like they are irrelevant and irrelevance can kill you. Um, with Beamer specifically, besides, Hey, probably need to fix the offense. The, the only thing as a head coach, I'm like, is like this, this, this getting blown out by Clemson every time you play him has to stop. Um, there is a gap between the two programs. There is a talent gap. But this year, this was a year that you compete in the game. I mean, you know, you look on the field the other night, you think one team was 0-10 and, and the other team was uh, a national championship contender. You know, that can't that that uncompetitive stuff against Clemson has to stop. I don't even think you'd have to go win the game, you know. But uh I agree with you, Darian. There needs to be change. All right, Phillips says with another disappointing loss to Clemson, another inconsistent poor offensive performance. You think Carolina makes a change at OC? I think it's time to change things up. Amen. Little to no improvement. Nope. Uh, not with the problems that they have because because they keep re- he kept continued to recreate problems, which is freaking it's the arrogance and ignorance thing. I mean. Look, man, everybody know, you know, you know, it's it's like, okay, well, this this word, but now, well, now we're gonna go reinvent the wheel because I'm this NFL guy, whatever. That's what I think about that. And, and hey, look, man, I thought about the NFL earlier. Marcus Satterfield may go to the NFL and, and be a coordinator on a Super Bowl winning team. I doubt it because of the field, but I think he's got some good ideas for that level of football. I just don't think you can – I don't think you can teach it like they're he's trying to teach it. And, and the personnel grouping sucked and the personnel decisions sucked and the lack of being able to run the ball was amazingly terrible. Uh, confusing the offensive line was awful. I mean, there, there's just a lot to not like, okay? And that's just, you know, and, and there's rumors and stuff, so I'm just going to stick to the football, Right. And Phillips got some replacements. Skip Holtz. How long has it been since Skip's called plays? I love Skip Holtz. Uh, I thought, you know, you want to know the, the biggest trash 
coaching move that I've seen in a long time was Louisiana Tech firing Skip Holtz after one bad year. Uh, you know, Napier's moving on. I mean, I know in those little schools in Louisiana hate each other. Napier's moving on to Monroe. I know, or I'm sorry, to to Florida from from Louisiana Lafayette. I know Terry Bowden had a better than expected year at Monroe, but Rich Rodriguez just took the Jacksonville State job. Why? You know, Skip's been one of the best coaches they've had. So I don't know. Garrett Riley from SMU would be interesting. That's a name. I think he could attract some people. Zach Kitley from Zach Kitley's the guy's name from Western Kentucky. Uh, Bill Bedenbaugh from Oklahoma is a hard no. He's not a coordinator. He's just got the title, and he's he's an offensive line coach. Now, I'm bringing in his offensive line coach. Yeah, <laughs> great offensive line coach. Um, but uh, he went to Southern Cal with Lincoln Riley, and I, and I know you've sent this uh, before that news broke. And Robert A. Nay from Virginia, who had a pretty good year this year. So I personally think uh, that Bill would be an interesting choice. No, he's he's been uh, Phil. He's just a coordinator. Um, uh, he's a Sino. You know, they say Rhino when you're talking about Republicans in name only in politics. He's a Sino coordinator in name only. <laughs> Uh, but he he did go with Riley to to SC. Uh, out of this group, Skip would be intriguing, and I know Georgia Tech was supposed to talk with him. Guy from Virginia had a great year. Uh, Riley or Kitley would probably be like right now. I, I need to look into this Virginia guy. Um, but thanks, Philip. I appreciate that. That's always awesome. Mark says we need an upgrade at linebacker. I appreciate what Johnson and Staley have given, but neither are capable of stopping the record system. Yeah, they're just not. They're limited athletically, man. Hopefully, Kava can take another step. And, you know, Mark says they miss Sherrod Green a lot more. Yeah, they did. You know, Sherrod was playing pretty well when he got hurt. It was early, I know, but Sherrod was playing pretty well. Uh, Debo Williams, I think, will be good. You got Bam Scott, who redshirted. Um, I know Jamar Brown continues to struggle with injuries, but I think it's pretty obvious that guy – if you could find a way to get him on the field, whether it's safety, nickel, whatever, that guy can make plays. He's fast. Um, and he said, well, nice to get the Hilton head kid. That's Jalen Sneed, who's currently a Notre Dame commitment, as well as Stone Blanton. And Stone took a trip. And I just, you know, it'll be hard to pull him out of Mississippi. But uh, upsets happen in recruiting. Surprises happen in recruiting sometimes. Um, and that's why you work them. That's why you work them. But I agree, man. You, you get Sneed and Blanton and recruiting. I think it's big. Addison says, love the podcast. Watching SEC the, this morning, we had a thought. With Napier to Florida and Riley to Southern California, is it safe to assume that recruiting in SoCal and Florida just gets more difficult? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, all right, so I'm going to go on because he's got more. Addison says, We've been able to pick off players, as you've, as you've noticed, but as you've noted. But what are the implications for the Upstate team, Clemson, that has boasted of its national footprint and success? Will they be forced to recruit harder in our footprint? Will this have a long-term impact on the Gamecocks? Clemson does not really. Okay, they do go national, and you know, I was talking to my Clemson buddy the other day. I was like, "What's impressive is." Not only the highly rated guys, and you know, this is when you know because people talk about five star, four star all the time. This is when you know you're recruiting at a higher level than you used to. 
and, and I'll say this, and I'm a firm believer it is a gamble when you start moving away from your primary footprint. Um, and I don't know that Clemson has done that. I, I think they still get guys out of Georgia, North Carolina, whatever. Uh, they're just not as, not as big in state anymore, but uh, you know, Andrew Booth's from Georgia, for example. Um, Clemson doesn't really, I mean, they've got a couple two, three guys from California, uh, but I, I, I just – I don't see that being – and, yeah, so those guys may go to Southern Cal, and, you know, but, like, quite frankly, I, I, I think you can – and I don't have anything against Joseph Nada or the other kid from Cali or DJ. But I, I don't know that you can't get just as good if you stopped in Texas or, or, or wherever. Um, now, back to my point about the four-star, five-star thing, when you know that, like – you're recruiting at a higher level. It's not four or five stars or whatever. Okay. The, just the, the raw stars. It's when you're going into places and beating teams on elite player, no brainer types that you normally in previous years would not. And it takes winning big to do this. For example, Travis ETN, LSU, normally once they offered, they'd have gotten him. LSU was a little late. Clemson won the national title. They got him. How special was that guy? He wasn't even highly star rated, four star guy, but a guy that a great program historically wanted in their backyard, and you beat him on him. Um, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, where would those guys have gone if it were the nineties? You know, would they have gone to Clemson? Probably not. Probably wouldn't have been at Georgia or Georgia Tech or Tennessee or wherever. Wouldn't have been at Tennessee, Georgia, wherever. Uh, you know, Cartersville and Gainesville are not exactly you know full of Clemson people. They're full of Georgia people and a little Tennessee and Cartersville. So, uh, you know, that kind of thing. T. Higgins and Amari Rogers, Knoxville, Tennessee. Who would have gotten those guys in the 90s? And, and, and you know, Jackson Carmen was a guy, Ohio State, got big offensive tackle from Ohio. Um, and so, yeah, Clemson's doing that right now. But, you know, California in and of itself, and, and some of those guys would have gone to Southern Cal uh, had they been up. Uh, I just don't see that those guys were like these rocket ship hits. So um, is that going to force – is Clemson going to, in other words, not get a Cali kid they like and have to, you know, go somewhere else? Yeah, but I don't I don't know that it makes – I don't know that it's a huge trickle-down thing. I also believe that, you know, Clemson, if you still look at that roster, they still got an awful lot of guys who, you know, weren't – top 200 recruits or whatever that could play their ass off and are good players, you know? So, so they've still got the secret sauce going up there. It's just more like an undercurrent because of all the attention on star ratings and recruiting, and, you know, that's also caused the gap between Carolina and Clemson, you know? Uh, so, so I don't think it has a huge trickle down effect. In other words, uh, Oh my God, we can't recruit California. Let's offer five in-state guys. If you're Clemson. You know, and Clemson's they got some decisions to make, getting the portal, whatever, what they do. Um, and we'll see what happens there. Um, I think that as far as Napier and Florida, you know, it just depends. Uh, I think he's a great recruiter. I think he'll put together a great staff. I, you know, what the Florida schools have to do is stop Alabama and Georgia from coming in there and Ohio State and getting guys. Um, and you look, people wonder why in Miami good. Well, because Miami used to have the same receivers Bama does. 
well, why in Florida State good anymore? Well, because Georgia's got like three or four kids out of Florida that Florida State would normally get. You know, and the frustration with Mullet and heel, and, and Florida actually recruited better than the other two for a while. So um, I don't think it has a long-term impact on the Gamecocks unless, you know, Napier with his ties to the state uh, and, 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 you know, stuff like that, unless they come in and start getting kids out of South Carolina, elite guys. Which Florida's done a couple times. I mean, they got uh, Carlos Dunlap back in the day, and I don't know if Justice Boone is what you call an elite guy right now yet or not, but he's a four-star guy. Carolina wanted from Sumter, and the Gators got him during a transition year. See, yeah, you can't let that happen with Napier and those guys. Uh, but historically, you know, Florida hadn't been. I mean. Uh, I'll also say this, you know, in the state of Georgia, I think you've got to, you know, that's Napier's home state. Uh, you know, Carolina sort of battles Florida. I mean, they beat they flipped Jaheim Bell from Florida out of Valdosta. They've sort of battled Florida, Auburn, Tennessee, you know, those types of schools, Ole Miss in the state of Georgia. Uh, you know, very rarely are they getting the guys out, out of Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia won't. Um, maybe not at all, but, uh, you know, so you, you, anytime you get a great recruiter at a, at a program that needs to be revived, and it seems like Florida's doing this all the time, you know, you, you do say, oh man, you know, is that going to make things tougher for us? But I, I don't think so. I think, I think that, uh, you still just got to go win your share and you got to protect your state, you know, from the Gators. And, and look, I'll say this too, Florida historically, Muschamp was there and Urban Meyer was there. They did a really good job of recruiting North Carolina and Zook too. And so they kind of hadn't done as much up there lately. So you, because North Carolina's getting everybody right now. Uh, so you, so you would like to say, hey, that's beat them back a little bit. But I, I think for Billy Napier at Florida, the order, first order of business is you've got to start. You know, you're in one of the best talent states in the country in, in the last 15 years. All three major schools have just let kind of kids go. So uh, that's the thing there. Spent a lot of time on that one. Love recruiting. Um, Xavier says, well, is it just me or was the Quandre White not in the game that much Saturday night? And if Sad ends up being gone, who would you like to see replace him? Someone that runs a college-style offense that's easy to learn and fun with a proven track record calling plays at the collegiate level. And, and I didn't, I didn't have, I don't have the snap counts or anything, but uh, you know, there were rumors all week, white and van were a little banged up. Of course, people said they weren't, but I mean, maybe they were just saying, Hey, you know, they're going to play, but they're not a hundred percent or whatever. Um, And so that stunk, but I don't think they put Zaquandre white in any sort of position to have success against that team anyway. Darius says, the more I hear, sounds like sad is staying. Don't listen to rumors. <laughs> uh, and what I'm telling you is not a rumor. I just can't guarantee it 100%. I'm with Beamer 100%, but he'd lose half his fan base if he keeps sad. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. Addison says, why can't we consider Jamie Chadwell as the OC? Very innovative, does more with less, successful at every stop. Someone had a column, what was it Sapikov, who likes to stir the pot or whatever, somebody that Chadwell – and look, man, look, let me just tell you Jamie Chadwell fans out there, right? 
everybody's mad that they didn't hire Chadwell last year. And, and look, when you watch that offense play and you see Coastal winning games, I mean, it's it's easy to get enamored in that. And I think Jamie Chadwell is a great coach and has a great staff, right? Um, Willie Corn, Chad Staggs, you know, everybody knows who those guys are. Seriously. But there is a reason South Carolina did not strongly consider him. Tennessee did not strongly consider him. Uh, Virginia Tech pulled the trigger today on Brent Pry, uh, the D.C. from Penn State. Um, you know, I, I just – you know, and, and you hear through the grapevine, well, he doesn't interview well. Now, he's not a, not a guy like Dan Mullen who just was a, for lack of a better term, butthole <laughs> – and that's why he didn't get any gigs, despite being really good at Mississippi State and pursuing them. Um, just that interview well. Just not a guy that, like, in today's day and age, when you have the CEO structure and, the you know, all the off the field and recruiting and all that stuff you have to do, it takes a little more than just a dynamic offense. So, you know, that's why no head coaching jobs have come. And, and I think somebody mentioned, like, his path, and this is how he got Coastal because he was the head coach at Charleston Southern, came to Coastal as the coordinator in Moglia, filled in for him, and then got the job. Um, you start putting up points and numbers and have a dynamic offense in the SEC, uh, it's not going to matter. You know, gonna be like, all right, we can get you an assistant head coach and all these off-the-field people, whatever, you're awesome, we love you. Or you'll get you know, the Big 12 or whatever, right? Um, so if I'm – South Carolina, I make a change if I'm Shane Beamer, if I don't already have somebody in mind. And, and I'm saying that, you know, obviously Chadwell's awesome. And, and this is what I've been doing. You can go offer him a bunch of money to come to, to be the coordinator. Right. And I'd be, you know, I think that offense that they run there is outstanding uh, and dynamic. And, and I think what that offense also does, kind of like the App State offense, in the, in the region, in the area, you look at the Carolinas and you're like, well, who's good and who's done well with what? And you look at those two systems and they're very good every single year. Now, Coastal doesn't recruit South Carolina only, but they still recruit the footprint. And you can always find a dual threat quarterback around. It's got some wiggle that can throw. Uh, you can always find guys to fit that, right? I don't know who in the hell thought it was a good idea for South Carolina to run an NFL offense because you're not going to find those guys. Alabama can't. Alabama evolved out of that, man. So, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I would I would try to hire Jamie Chadwell. I mean, will he do it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's on list all the time and never gets any traction. So, Gamecock Pastor says, well, the coaching changes and playoff parity. I look forward to the next JC and Morgan. Mike is supposed to get back with me about a time. Check my handy dandy email here. No, haven't gotten back with me yet. But yeah, we need a we need a pod. Um, I know your takes will be phenomenal. Dream scenario in the playoffs, Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati. Actually, maybe pulling for the maize and blue at this point. I'm pulling for Harbaugh. Uh, and it's selfish, Rob, because I said when he was hired, I said he'll have him in the playoff within three years. It was three years too late. Um, that's assuming they beat Iowa, man. Look, Iowa, Iowa is a big physical football team. They started really well this year. Then they hit a lull. 
but then bounce back. So uh, here we go. And Rob's big email is this is a uh, at Gamecock Pastor. He tweets at me, longtime tweeter, first email. Had a few things to say. At the game Saturday night, classic Willie B fashion. There was no signal, so he couldn't live tweet his thoughts, which is probably for the best. Yeah, man, I, I had to put the phone down, to be honest. I, had, I went outside and started catching up with friends. <laughs> Once Zeb Nolan went in the game, I mean, I had to go back and watch it. I just I, I just gave up at that point. I, mean, I should have given up earlier, really, because, you know. Well, I, you know, and I thought, too, look, this team rallied from 14-0 down against Auburn. Maybe they do something Similar, but and, and I'd watched Auburn's defense just take it to Alabama earlier. Embarrassing and tough to sit through. Didn't leave until Almond was played. And the Clemson fans went nuts when Zeb fell short of the goal line on the last play and sealed the shutout. Still believe in Beamer, he says. Number one, assuming Sad is fired. Oh, okay. Uh, I got to read this because this I didn't mean to skip over this. He said he wanted to say he's a pastor. It was great to wake up Sunday morning and go worship with people on both sides of the rivalry and focus on things bigger than football. Well, you went to church at a place better than I did growing up. <laughs> Thank goodness our lives actually don't depend on Gamecock wins and losses, although I may act like it. Two quick questions. Assuming Sat is fired, who are your top three most likely replacements? The only name – I've heard a couple names. Uh, the guy from North Carolina is one – you know, I think the the Jamie Chadwell idea probably will come. I don't know. You know, I, I I'll get into names uh, soon because we don't have any games left until the bowl. We got basketball and stuff, so we got a lot of time to talk about all that. Uh, what do you think about players transferring to Carolina? It's the wild, wild west. Talk flipping Florida commits, Oklahoma transfers, whatever. Is it beneficial to let some of the coaching carousel settle? Yes. Um, I will say they've been active in the portal. There are some guys that, that are in the portal or that they're trying to flip uh, that I'll talk about later, uh, some potential portal guys if they get in. Uh, all I can tell you, Rob, is some of these names, you're probably not going to know, and but you should get excited about them. Some of these names you're going to know and be excited about. So there we go. Thanks, Pastor Rob. And uh, you're right. There's things that are more important than football. I agree. And yeah, he's right. That's, uh, that's why, you know, um, Sunday's win or lose for the Gamecocks, one of the college football, whatever. You know, there are times every now and then I'll, I'll go watch a, a pro game with my girlfriend or whatever. But, you know, and some of you that are my friends that are listening out there that wonder why you can't get me on the phone on Sunday or I don't respond to text. I sort of have a policy where I just, you know, that's it. That's that's kind of my day. Um, if it's an emergency or whatever, but just talking ball and stuff, I, I got to clear my mind. I'm one of those at this point in my life, I kind of have to do that. Uh, otherwise, I'm not going to deliver for you because I'm going to talk it to death, get sick of it, get frustrated, all that kind of thing. So um, you're right, Pastor. Uh, there's much more to life than football, and uh, it's taken me to 44 years old, and I'll be 40, 44 in 11 months right now. be 45 next month. It's taken me that long to kind of say, hey, so I need to find a day where I can do it. It's unrealistic during the week sometimes. Sundays are that day. I'm a pro. I like pro football. I just don't. I don't sit there and you know watch every game and all that. Um, at least not during college season. So 
That's worked well for me. Jared says, JC, keep this one short and sweet. And I'm going to say after the Clemson game, apparent as ever, we need to replace Satterfield with O'Reilly leaving OU. Do you think we have a shot at letting some potential transfers from there? I saw already Rattler is leaving and Weiss, the, the receiver, he's a, he's a guy that hadn't really been healthy, but was a highly rated guy. He's from Texas. Rattler's from Arizona. With Beamer's background, figure we might have a shot. I haven't heard anything to indicate they're interested in Spencer Rattler right now. And I know that there's Vegas odds out there on where he's going to go. South Carolina thinks listed third, but it's a safe bet. He's heading to Tempe and Arizona State. Um, you know, I, he's a guy that got benched at Oklahoma because he couldn't read defenses in that offense. Uh, again, I sort of hope that they get a new offensive coordinator, but if you're struggling to read defenses in Lincoln Riley's system, oh. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's a very quarterback-friendly system, as we all know. And Caleb Williams went in there and didn't miss a beat. So I think Spencer Rattler's got a great arm. I think he's talented. I just don't know the – you know, I just don't know that that would work out at South Carolina, and I don't know it's going to work out at Arizona State. Um, maybe they get him right and – down there, I think in his hometown, you know, he's uh, – I like the Sun Devils, and I pull for them. And I pull for Herm Edwards and uh, like him because you play to win the game, right? Uh, and I know Herm. He used to coach the Under Armour All-American Bowl when I worked for ESPN and 24-7 Sports doing national recruiting. Talk to him every year. Great dude. Great dude. And always have loved Arizona State. Always have loved that job. Always thought it was underrated. Loved the campus. A lot of scenery. Uh, but I, I would, I would just not, you know, I would not. I would, I would cross Rattler off. Now, could there be some other name quarterbacks out there? Carolina gets the ball. Well, yes, absolutely. Don't know yet about Weiss. Uh, Jadon Hasselwood is a kid from Georgia. He's from Bryson Allen Williams School. Uh, Cedar Grove, who signed with Oklahoma, who injuries and all that now. You know, the, the word on the streets may be Arkansas because their their running backs coach, who's actually from Darlington, has um has ties to Cedar Grove. He's head coach, athletic grader there for 12 years outside of Atlanta. But you have to think Justin Stepp probably get involved with that and Shane Beamer as well, if they're comfortable with a lot of things. But he's He's very talented. Mark Stoops has agreed to a contract extension. So, not getting rid of the, the little Stoops. <laughs> I, something tells me one day he may end up at, like, Iowa, his alma mater, if he ever leaves Kentucky. But, you know, I, I think that here's what you do with Kentucky. You start beating them. They're not Georgia. They're not LSU. They're not even Texas A&M personalized though. A&M seems to screw games up against everybody but South Carolina. Uh, go beat them. Could have beat them this year. Go beat them. Um, so, anyway, Hasselwood's one guy I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by. I don't know if they'll go on him or not, but Beamer's connections are there. Obviously, South Carolina needs upgrades at receiver badly, and uh, both those guys would fit that. 
tremendously. Thanks, Jared. VJ Costanza. I'm sorry. Belmont Gamecock 99. <laughs> I'd be at a nice Thanksgiving with the regular season closed. Like most longtime USC fans, I am pleased with a team that won six, especially after being underdogs in nine of them. And stealing two where SEC opponents were favored by double digits. Yes. I'm bothered by how we were paralyzed offensively by AM and especially Clemson. Georgia felt like it had moments of fight. AM was number was because you started Zeb Nolan against that defensive front. And you didn't take him out soon enough. And, and it, I don't, guys, I don't want you to think I'm downing Zeb Nolan. I love Zeb Nolan. I think he's an outstanding person. Uh, I think with the right, you know, you put him behind a great offensive line and give him stud receivers all over the place. He's going to do some good things. I think he's got a great career ahead of him in coaching. I, I'm not. I'm just saying that you you have to play. I mean, even Steve Spurrier, who who would rather I think chew through nails than play a run first quarterback, realized a couple of years. Well, hey, you know, we 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 don't. Uh, we need to, to bench play Mitchell because we can't protect him, and we need to play Safel Newton. That was actually one year. That was to 06. The next year he benched him for Chris Smelly. But uh, Steve Spurrier does that, man. I mean, he's going to sit there. That was the dumbest thing ever. We're going to start this guy and go out there and try to trick him with all these pro ball plays and just completely overwhelmed. Uh, so that's A&M. Clemson, you had the right quarterback in there, but – just like the Missouri game, you didn't really set him up for success. Uh, and I'm not – I want to give credit to Clemson's defense. You know, I, a lot of it didn't matter. But you got to put up a fight, you know. And, and and it was clear that there was just no answer. None. And then UGA, UGA felt like moments fights. That's in the past. And he's like remaining positive with the body of work. He says, offensive woes fall on both players and play calling. Players can only digest and develop so much so fast. Some just have the it factor and others take time to improve. Play callers need to understand what their team has the capacity to run and which plays to call which at what times. Everyone is quick to get frustrated for the bad plays, but I wouldn't say there's been a covered stock with healthy skill players either. Flashes, yes, but not the obvious. Get in the ball ASAP. And he list a bunch of guys, Debo, Lattimore. Unfortunately, we got a close-up view of Rich Rodriguez and Tyler Beatty in this role. It costs us two more wins. Uh, look, man, <laughs> this wasn't I – mean, Josh Van, thank God, was a surprise. But th- this wasn't a team that was stocked with playmakers. What it was was a team that was loaded. Their best playmakers were kind of at a couple of positions. And there was no attempt to use that. None. I mean, I love to carry and Joyner. He represents everything right about college football. But do you honestly think that he should have been out there in the slot or at one of the positions ahead of Jaheim Bell? You think he's a better playmaker than Jaheim Bell? I don't think so. I don't think to carry you know, if I were comparing guys through the years, I think Nick Jones was better at receiver. And and I and I know Nick Jones is actually like really good. They could have used him, um, but they, they, you know, shoot, who else was you know? I, I would I would I think he's probably like better than Mo Brown and D.L. Moore and, and some of those guys through the years. 
but I, he's just very limited. And, and you have a guy like Bell, you know, Juju McDowell, even White. You know, I don't know. So there was just no attempt. It's a maximization game a lot. So he says, uh, what do you think about Zach Kitley? Like him, Andrew Souter from Kansas. Is that, is that Kansas State? I hope so. Uh, if it's Kansas State, I, I do kind of like their offense. Uh, or even Lincoln's younger brother, Garrett. I like that. All I run exciting multidimensional schemes that would attract better skill players. And you mentioned Spencer Rattler. I addressed that. Ohio State's room. That the, One of their kids left. I just I don't know about him. He's kind of a statue. Uh, highly touted or experienced quarterback should be a priority. Who do you see as top transfer portal skill player targets, not just quarterback? I mentioned Hassel, the Hasselwood. Hassel, what is it? <laughs> Jadon Hasselwood. Um, let's let that sort of evolve because there's a lot of good, lot going on right now. And uh, we got plenty of time to talk about that, not to disappoint you. Uh, Noah says, do you think Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame could put the Gamecocks in a better position to flip Jalen Steen in recruiting? And is it worth keeping an eye on? Yes, it is. Uh, my guess is his high school coach would probably push him to visit LSU if, if that's the case. They did. I don't think they named Marcus Freeman the interim head coach today, uh, and that was a big deal. So, and Sneed, look, his, his mom went to Carolina. His sister goes to Carolina. There's really no reason Carolina was out of the top five to begin with. Clayton Whitey have had a great relationship. We all know what the issue is there, but. Um, yeah, and Sneed's a, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'll have to look at his film a little more, but he's rated now uh, as a five-star prospect per, per 24-7 sports composite. So if you have an in-state five-star, great. Uh, if you get a kid out of Hilton Head, as long as that coach is there, then that is a minor miracle. <laughs> and uh, all that, and hopefully four more years from now, when he he, he has a player about every four or five years, uh, he's gone. Um you don't have to worry about him anymore, hopefully out of state or, you know, back up to the Midwest where it seems like he wants to send all his players. Um, but uh, Sneed, yeah, I, I think Carolina's got a good shot. I'm not ready to crystal ball it yet, just to kind of see how things settle. Um, but there's a lot of – they're working the family pretty hard. He's been on campus. They've gotten him to visit. He was there. He came back. You know, and, and they need linebackers. So this is one of the highest rated linebackers from the state since who? Last five-star linebacker from South Carolina is probably Ricardo Hurley, but I don't – no, Anthony – no, Anthony Simmons came before Ricardo Hurley. So anyway, yeah, there you go. Um, If there was one I missed at linebacker, let me know because <laughs> I may have from in-state. So, yeah, you, you want to get all, you know, Jalen Sneed and Antonio Williams are the two biggest priorities in recruiting uh, out, you know, not counting portal like high school guys. You, you got to get, you know, you, you need to get those guys. And if you don't, you know, over time, the more of those guys you don't get, uh, quite frankly, the less chances of success you have at South Carolina. Uh, and while you're six and six and you're trying to build – uh, it's very helpful when you get elite in-state guys because they're just as good as the guys from out of state, right? And so you kind of get guys that, you know, normally, you know, it'd be tough to go to Georgia and get a five-star linebacker, right? Hudson says, 
hate the way the regular season ended with a bad loss to Clemson, but I was halfway expecting their defense to show up that way, regardless to the bowl game. Question is probably better suited for JC and Morgan, but we you don't do an open mailbag session. We probably need to start. He said, anyway, has there ever been a crazier coaching carousel? Not one that I can remember with as big of moves. And I mentioned earlier, I'm a little uncomfortable with the money. Uh, but but no, it is it is it is so rare that somebody leaves a sitting power five job to go to another. Okay. That that's number one. Number two. It's even more rare when you have the coach at Notre Dame leaving in one year and Oklahoma leaving. I mean, those are two top ten programs. Wow. You know, usually coach at Notre Dame leaves or the coach at Oklahoma leaves, they're going to the NFL or something. Or they get fired or they retire. Um, they don't normally head to LSU and Southern Cal. So, Crazy. Uh, and both went fairly unmentioned for the jobs until they took it. Lincoln Riley, especially. I had heard a while back Kelly was looking around, if not to a Southern Cal or if not to an LSU, uh, to the pros, to the Bears. And, and you know, here's one. I'm going to go ahead and say this here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast because I wish I'd have said that about Kelly last week because um, I hear all these things. And, you know, look, take it for what it's worth. I'm I'm not in the national college football game anymore uh except for jc morgan uh ryan day from ohio state's a guy to look out for when it comes to the bears job or the giants job uh and then that's gonna be another huge program uh with an opening thanks hudson dale says i saw today mike mike bobo got fired some reports say he resigned yeah he's getting his money why is that we can't get a clear decision on satterfield well okay so right now um, my assumption is they're working on his next landing spot at his next landing spot, and it's not going to be that long. Um, the other thing to consider is Brian Harson has, ha- I mean, how many guys on the staff can call plays for their bowl game? South Carolina is going to be a concern. Uh, even with Satterfield, quite frankly, I would not do. It. I would just, I would let Eric Kimry and Justin Step call the ball plays, or let, or Beamer let Beamer uh, be involved and let those two give him or, or Pete Limbo, whoever, whoever, man, look, whoever. Okay, uh, I wouldn't be so worried about an inexperienced guy calling ball plays. Now it can always go one of two ways. Uh, you look at what happened at Florida; everybody wanted to get rid of Grantham. Uh, and, and Grantham had kind of a funny, weird scheme, right? Um, with only a week to call it, Christian Robinson, former Gamecock, uh, dad played at Carolina, former Georgia linebacker, but Gamecock recruit, he's calling it, and you give up 52 points to Sanford. <laughs> Nail in coffin for Dan Mullen there. But, uh, you know, that, and then everybody settled back in. So I think there's time with any potential bowl game to, to get a new play caller. Cause, cause what you do in this situation, it's a lot like what McClendon did uh, for the Outback bowl that year. And South Carolina actually won. You, you kind of just take the old playbook and you say, well, here's what I'm comfortable calling. And here's what I see. And you, you kind of put it together and, and call it. You, you're not necessarily calling your offense. You may put in a play or two, uh, but that's it. And I would give that to Kimberly and step and let them roll. 
Uh, Marcus Satterfield will not call another play for me at South Carolina. But that could be one thing to think about. Um, he said, if we're getting rid of Satterfield this year, we need to do so now as we will be competing against all the other schools with recent coaching changes. Nah, I'm, I'm, I, I address that. They're going to be fine with uh, anybody making coaching changes, in my opinion, because it, it's not going to matter. I mean, you know, somebody's going to go to LSU, they're going to go to LSU, whether or not they come to South, they, they come to South Carolina for the month of December. We've seen it before. Better jobs they are going to leave. You know, it's just not – they're mercenaries. Uh, so you kind of are going to get who you're going to get. And you could have got a lot better last time. I understand the gamble. I understand why. Um, but time to fix it. And, and I think there's plenty of guys out there that can fix it. Uh, how would you feel about him going after Bobby Bentley? I would love it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I know he is an approved play caller at the college level, but he did a hell of a, of a job at Burns. Well, he did call some at South Florida this year, and I, I made a point to watch it. And, boy, I, I'm telling you, like, you think Carolina's got personnel issues. USF is is there. Jeff Scott has a build. Like, it, it's not a rebuild. It's a build right now. They got better and better and better, almost beat UCF at the end of the year. Uh, came back, scored points on BYU, came back and scored points on Cincinnati. Uh, they're just not quite there yet, but Bobby had a good year. I mean, I, I just I just – you know, because he wasn't the OC and because his, you know, his stats are probably not because of the situation there in personnel is not going to be great. Um, you know, if you're Shane Beamer, I, I think you have to get somebody – we can say, this is a top five offense – in this conference these years. You know what I'm saying? Um, and Bobby just doesn't have that resume yet. Now, one day, yeah, shoot, one day, I hope Bobby Bentley may be the head coach at South Carolina. You know, who knows? Uh, and I think he's got a bright future. I would personally feel great about it. I would feel ecstatic just because I know what that offense is all about. I've mentioned easy to learn, and it is. I've mentioned adaptable to different types of strengths of personnel, and it is. He can call it on game day like nobody's business. I mean, yeah, I, I would love that. Um, and and for me, I would sit here and praise the hire. But then what happens the minute something doesn't go well, you know, then you get in the same old thing. Well, you shouldn't have made that risky hire, blah, 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 blah. Now, I, I don't think you could make a safe, safe hire with this. I think you have to because you have to be creative and dynamic and all this good stuff. Um, but those are the parameters. I would love it if Bobby got a shot, but I just don't see it happening. Dale, and thank you. Dale also says, I'll have the joy of being – oh, he was like – this was an earlier one. You asked me how to find out information about the game. I'm sorry, I didn't read this because on thanks – yeah, I, I cut it off on thank, on um, on Wednesday last week. Uh, anyway – Glad your daughter's got you tickets as a birthday present, and I'm sorry the Gamecocks lost. It's heartbreaking to read this tale <laughs> after the fact. Everybody was so full of optimism. Poo. All right, one more. Jeremy says, number one, same questions. Do we get Jalen Sneed with the coaching change in Notre Dame? I am leaning toward yes, but, again, no guarantee. Just like there's no guarantee they're going to make a change at OC, although I'm leaning heavily toward yes. Um, as far as Beamer goes, you know, everybody's mentioned Garrett Riley, Phil Longo, the guy from Western Kentucky. There, there's just so many intriguing guys out there. Jamie Chadwell, to me, that would be a, 
a move that would make a lot of people happy uh, on the message board. Um, don't know if that's realistic, but uh, they'll find a good one. They'll find a good one. And, and look, man, I, I'm going to tell you this. Just because Garrett Riley's name is Riley, you know, that doesn't mean he's a genius, right? Uh, you know, uh, I I just want to keep that – or he's the best option just because that's his name. Um, keep that in mind. I mean, sometimes these guys that come out of nowhere – I mean, the, the guy at Western Kentucky came from Houston Baptist where they were great. So – you know, you need somebody that's kind of an up-and-comer. I mean, look, I hate to do this because so many people compare Shane to Dabo. I think that I think Shane's a little bit different than Dabo. I think there's one Dabo, really. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean you can't, you know. Look, here, here's how important coordinator hires are, folks. I mean, Ed Orgeron won a national championship because he made the right moves with coordinators. Um, Dabo Swinney built a national power at Clemson because he decided to make the right moves as a coordinator. Um, they're very important. Ask Urban Meyer what happened when his coordinators left. I mean, look at look at that year oh, in 08. Florida was dominant. Dan Mullen gets Mississippi State. Adazio takes over as the OC. And they're very they're, – they're, compared to their talent level, they're very pedestrian at Florida. Coordinators absolutely matter, and they can change your whole complexion of your program if you get the right one. Um, and I believe Beaver will. Uh, and it's not always the, the the guy that you know pops out or has the name. Uh, although you know Garrett Riley gets a job, that's fine with me. Uh, anything is going to be an upgrade. Uh, but I would look at this if I were Shane Beamer as an opportunity to not only just get get better than Satterfield, but to really get like something special going. Um, and then if you get it going for a few years, man, and you know, guy gets a head coaching job or something uh, like at Clemson, then you have guys that have worked under him that are ready to take over. You know, it's kind of the best way to do it because th- this program can't continue to uh, number one, have an experiment at OC every two years. And number two, continue to change offensive coordinators. I mean, it, it, you know, there is something to be said for new system um, and third system in three years or whatever. I don't I, I don't think that that's why the guys couldn't learn it well, because they were thinking about previous years. But, you know, because they the, the offensive line and those guys, they, there was no problem going from McClendon to uh, Bobo. Of course, same same coach, but different concepts. So. Uh, you know, I, I, that's what I think. I, I think there's an opportunity here for Shane Beamer to say, all right, so we have the South Carolina offense. And, and that was the idea with Satterfield now. That was the idea. Okay. And I'll admit it. I wrote an article about it. But sometimes things on paper aren't what happens. And I think that that when you look at it, it it's a lot easier to swallow in terms of the whole talent versus scheme argument. When you have a guy that's done it before versus when you haven't. And and when it's just kind of this pie in the sky, constant talk about the NFL, that kind of thing. And look, man, the the SEC is NFL light, but nobody's, you know, you've got high school offenses being very, very successful. It's still college football or 
offenses with roots at the high school level, the browse tree or whoever. So that's that. All right. Thank you so much for all of the, I help consulting mailbag questions today. Big, big, big episode uh, time-wise, but hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving game. Notwithstanding needed to get back with you. Lots going on college football wise. Uh, again, hadn't heard back about old JC and Morgan. So uh, maybe we'll have one today, maybe tomorrow. So we'll see. Anyway, uh, uh, we'll be back later this week. All this stuff. Keep the mailbag questions coming. Again, tweet to at the Big Spur Pod or inside the game at gmail.com. Thanks to Heritage Digital, Cindy Searfoss, and I Help Consulting, our wonderful sponsors. Uh, going to be taking on some more uh, as we cycle out of football season and do whatever. So hit me up. Uh, at inside the game at gmail.com if you want me to promote your business uh and all that good stuff all right folks hope you have a wonderful day jc sherbert signing off